So imagine your paycheck goes into your account, it gets taken out, and then more money gets taken out and amounts that don't even match the payroll. One employee had their account go negative $999,000, a withdrawal of like a million bucks. Everybody's freaking out. Nobody knows what is happening. Apparently, my payroll HR had just shut down and like reporters going to their office in Clifton Park, it was empty. There were no employees. There was no sign. It just like disappeared. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. Blake, here we are, another week. Another day, another dollar. I, I got some news stories this week. QuickBooks Live had an update. Teeny update on Visor. Apparently, people are discovering their 2017 taxes were not filed. <laughs> so they can that continues on. Well, uh, you know, else? David, like that sounds great and everything, but I have what may be the biggest story in Cloud Accounting Podcast history. Bigger than QuickBooks Live, my payroll HR. You know, we talked about this at the end of last episode. I kind of like buried the lead. Well, kind of the story broke, right? When we were yeah. recording, like we had no time. I was upset <laughs> at the podcast. I was like, why didn't you tell me about this over the weekend? I could have just deep dived on this for hours. Oh, it's crazy. And so I've been following this since we did our last episode and it is just a mess. So my payroll HR is a payroll processor based in Clifton Park, New York, small payroll company. So think, you know, Intuit Payroll or Gusto, but these guys have only 4,000 customers, mostly small businesses, small and medium businesses. Picture a restaurant with 12 employees or actually picture a senior care service in San Antonio, which has 1,500 employees in 23 states. So pretty big uh, group of clients. So 4,000 of those kind of small businesses, small to medium. Yeah. And then I think it just, they were around for 12 years. So they were legit. They were legit. legit yeah. company. They were around for about 12 years. Yeah. They, um, I think they kind of carved out a niche with a lot of uh, temp staffing agencies. Well, the big news is that, let's see, it's Friday, September 13th as we record. So on Thursday, September 5th, my payroll HR sent out an email a very brief email to all of its customers. And I'll read that email. They said, Dear client, we regret to inform you that due to unforeseen circumstances, we are no longer able to process any further payroll transactions. Please find alternative methods for processing your payrolls. For any payroll batches submitted during this week, including any payroll reversals from last week, please be prepared to find an alternative method to pay employees. We are working to release any funds that are in transit as a result of this matter. We will provide you with updates via this medium as we receive them. Okay. So a company's going to fold. They're going under. Yeah. It shouldn't be a big deal because in theory, the payroll and the payroll taxes that are being moved should be going through like an escrow account. Uh-huh. Then you get to the employees and okay, fine. So next week's payroll, I'm done. I have to start yeah. a new, I have to find a new payroll provider. Well, actually, no, they said, the, the email says like that these, this week's payroll is not going to happen. So actually that, they're already going out of business and now I have to suddenly, suddenly find a new way to pay my employees like today. I got to pay my employees. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So this is, a, that's a big red flag, right? So this was again, Thursday, the 5th of September. What happened, according to a customer of my payroll HR, Agape Animal Rescue, Tanya Willis was interviewed about this. On Thursday, the 5th, an employee called her. Uh, she's the executive director at this animal rescue. And the employee said that uh, the deposited pay had been withdrawn from her account. And apparently it happened to all seven of the animal rescue organization's employees. So Willis called my payroll HR, which is doing so, their so payroll. So normally with payroll, you the direct deposit happens. It's in your account and it's yeah. in your account. Like, I mean, I've been direct deposited for... 25 years and I've never had the payroll ever withdrawn. 
Right. So, so yeah, imagine your payroll goes in and then all of a sudden it goes back out. So the employees are starting to freak out. So Willis called my payroll HR and she told a reporter that an employee said there was a quote glitch in the system to keep track of the missing money and that there were no worries. There wasn't, obviously wasn't a glitch in the system and the worries were just beginning because money continued to drain out of the animal rescue employees' personal accounts. It didn't stop with just one paycheck reversal. Most of the employees had multiple reversals. So now their bank accounts are negative. So imagine your paycheck goes into your account, it gets taken out, and then more money gets taken out. Uh, And the amounts, there are various customer stories in the articles that have uh, been written over the last week and a half amounts that don't even match the payroll. One employee had their account go negative $999,000, a withdrawal of like a million bucks. It, it, crazy, right? Everybody's freaking out. Nobody knows what is happening. Apparently, my payroll HR had just shut down and like reporters going to their office in Clifton Park, it was empty. There were no employees. There was no sign. It just like disappeared. And, and and then this is where like the smart local media really started picking this up in each town. Yeah. And I know the local media picked up in Tucson, Arizona. I saw if there's all everywhere there's a small business and there's employees that have money getting right. withdrawn. It's a great local story, right? Everybody was kind of jumping on that. Because these customers are all over the country. They're not just in New York State. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, like business owners are calling their local news station and saying, Hey, this is a story. You guys should cover this. So it starts getting picked up on like local TV news. Right. The same way the malware infections are starting to get picked up. Right. It's this like uh, grassroots kind of news story that that starts happening, percolating all over the country. The press, the national press, the industry press. Right. Or at least the folks focused on security, HR, start to pick up on this. And so now we're starting to get more details. Like this week, we started to get a lot more details about what is going on. Because it didn't make any sense. None of this made any sense, right? right. Like the, everything the, you, we've ever seen a company just shut down and they completely vanished like this. The, one of the surprising things was uh, Governor Cuomo in New York State. Yep. Last week, they issued a press release that they're going to start investigating. They're, they're reaching out. Jumped all over that. Yeah, I'll read this statement. So Governor Cuomo issued a press release that said, the sudden and unexplained shutdown of my payroll HR in Clifton Park is disturbing and completely unacceptable. Its reckless actions have left employees across the state and the nation with negative bank accounts and forced businesses who depend on its payroll services to scramble and find ways to compensate their employees. These businesses and workers deserve answers, and I'm calling on the Department of Financial Services to investigate this irresponsible company's actions. This is not how we do business in New York, and we will not allow these bad actors to take money away from the hardworking people in the state. So he, that, that was one of like the first like really high-level political executive responses to this. Right. And then on Twitter, people were getting very uh, accusatory of the the banks involved, of mm-hmm. my payroll, HR, because I think from the employee's perspective, they just see this bank that they're not, they don't know. I mean, I don't know. You, nobody knows what bank is doing right. ACH deposit, but they're seeing these withdrawals. And so these people are panicking, like some sort of, like people are direct, like hacking into their own individual accounts and stealing money. And it's very, very confusing for everybody yeah. involved in the acquisitions uh, that were on Twitter were, were really getting uh, rapid. And there's a private Facebook group that was created for the employees who are affected. There's thousands of people in that group now. Uh, I'm not in that, so I don't know what's going on, but I know that some of the folks in the accounting community are in there helping to counsel them, tell them you know, what to do with your bank if you want to get your money back, all that stuff. But uh, let's let's talk about like what actually happened, because I think I finally pieced together the, the, the outline of, of how this 
potential fraud was perpetrated. You know, because the, twice a day, there's been some new piece of information. So here's what we know. So my payroll HR based in Clifton Park, New York, the CEO is named Michael Mann, but you found David, he's like invisible online, like very difficult to track down, right? Yeah. Couldn't find I, a picture I, of him. Because immediately when I saw this, I started going to their LinkedIn pages, looking around, poking around and nobody has images. They're not there. Um, the name's been removed. It's just initials right? His LinkedIn profile. And you start Google searching and this guy just doesn't, these people don't exist. I was actually kind of surprised at how um, invisible they were. The company, my payroll HR is owned by uh, a holding company called ValueWise Corporation. That website was shut down, no longer online, although you can access it through Wayback Machine and see old versions of it, which some of the reporters have been doing. My payroll HR has been around for 12 years. Michael Mann apparently bought the company six years ago. It was operating just like a normal, small payroll company. Now, here's how it went down. Here's how this whole thing went down. And this has to do with the way that payroll services actually make direct deposits happen. So payroll services don't have the ability to move money themselves. They have to partner with a payment processor. And in this case, the payment processor, uh, there were two of them. The, the one handling most of the money was called Cache Financial Services or Cachet, however they pronounce that, right? They're based in Pasadena. The way my payroll HR would normally process a payroll is they would generate essentially a text file. I believe they don't say it in the article, but I'm guessing like a CSV. And that file tells the payment processor which employer accounts to debit and which employee accounts to credit for their net payroll checks. Pretty simple, right? The way the money moves is it is cache. The payment processor uh, reads those instructions and then debits the employer accounts. The money goes into a clearing account that cache controls, and then it gets uh, taken from that account and credited into the employee accounts. And that all happens very quickly. And a company like cache might be providing this service for hundreds of payroll companies. Right. Okay. And they they work. They have an account with the National uh, Clearinghouse uh, uh, NACHA that manages ACH among all the banks. ACH. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Uh, and that payment processor also has a bank partner, right, to manage the clearing accounts. And in this case, the banking partner of the payment processor is Pioneer Bank. Apparently, what happened is that that text file that file that with the payment instructions or the money moving instructions that came from my payroll HR contained uh, manipulated account numbers. Cache had the numbers to put money in employees' accounts. Then Cache realized, wait a second, we never got we never got our part of the money to be putting in people's accounts. And that's why they went to retrieve it because they, they basically... Yeah. So yeah, according to the lawyer for Cache, my payroll HR manipulated the account numbers in the electronic file so that the money was taken out of the employer account and put into an account controlled by my payroll HR, not the cache settlement account as it should have been. So instead of money going from the employer into the settlement account or the clearing account, it went into an account controlled by my payroll HR. Cache had already initiated the transfer of the funds from their settlement account into the employee funds, making that account go negative. And this is the same process. So for 12 years, assuming they were partners in, in this for 12 years, cache every week, we get that file. Yep. Import it in, payroll runs, do it every single week. And so they really had no reason to suspect, suspect a partner of 12 years, this file would have manipulation inside of it. And so then here's where things got started to get really messed up. 
Apparently, Cachet, and actually this is according to their lawyer, realized what was happening, but too late. The money had already been moved into the employee accounts. And so they initiated reversals to get its money back. The lawyer, Slavkin, uh, I think it's Lisa Slavkin, said it's a standard process. But they messed up when they initiated that reversal because the first reversal wasn't coded properly. And so then they sent a second file. I guess the banks should have ignored the first file, but they didn't. So that's why so many employees had two paychecks, two paycheck amounts withdrawn from their accounts. I mean, I, I uh, can see how that happens, right? You're, you're cache, right? You're, you're probably in a panic. Oh my God, we, we outlaid $26 million. We did not get the $26 million we were supposed to get. Yeah. And somebody raced to go start to, to recover that money. And then a mistake was made. Then a second mistake was made. So yeah. Yeah. So right now, just knowing what I know, I'm thinking, this is crazy that a payroll processor could send a file with payment instructions to cache and there's no controls, no internal controls to prevent the account numbers from being changed. Like the, 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 the cache would simply execute without checking Instructions saying to debit all of these employer accounts and credit an account controlled by uh, my parallel HR and not Cache's settlement account. Right? Well, didn't Cache even kind of half admit this? That saying that they have policies and procedures. They've they've had to stop external threats, external hackers. Right. They've ex- it stopped uh, external fraud. Something internal like this they didn't see coming. Yeah. So they didn't. They w- apparently weren't prepared for an internal threat like this or a partner threat. And then. There's a big question I have about whether or not it was even proper for them to reverse these employee transfers, because according to an article uh, on a site called Personnel Today, which seems to be like an HR publication, it may not even have been appropriate. According to NACHA rules, you can't just debit somebody's an employee's account for a valid payroll transaction, right? Like Cache was trying to claw back the money. But that wasn't appropriate, potentially. So there's a possibility they broke some standards or some laws by trying to recover that money. Yeah. And Cache actually had a change of heart, like after the employees started freaking out and the banks started calling and, and abandoned that process because the employees who were quick to notice this was happening and do something called their banks and said, hey, these are not valid ACH debits, stop them. And then the the banks that were doing better customer service uh, actually did and stop those ACH debits. And just a side note, you know, a uh, side conversation on this. I saw a lot of that chatter on Twitter. It was it, like people who had smaller banks, they were getting better customer service and these things were getting stopped. But the major banks, the Bank of America's, the Chase's, et cetera, weren't stopping this. So that is kind of like what we know about Cache. Their response, I think, with the press had something to be left, something to be desired. Uh, wasn't there a quote from their that that lawyer Something like, oh, they're the victim. They're the only yeah. victim in this. She said, really, which, we're the only victim. Yeah. I, which I, I kind of get because it, when it's all said and done, the employees are going to get their money, right? right? But they're not only not the only victim because there's also when you pay employees, you have to have federal money to pay or you have to pay the tax deposits. Right. Well, apparently that bank who handled, there's a different ACH company that handles the tax deposits. Apparently they're claiming that they're out of money now as well. So yeah, there were two separate processes, one for the payroll tax one for the net paychecks. They both seem to have been scammed. Here's what's interesting is that I'm trying to like figure out this timeline. Like how how did this happen? Apparently the last time that Cache was in touch with Michael Mann, the owner of my Parallel HR, was on September 4th, the day before this all went down. Cache was trying to do a conference call with Mann and Pioneer Bank. Apparently Pioneer had already frozen 
his Pioneer account. And Mann told Cache that he would call them back in 15 minutes, but he never called back. And then he never responded to phone calls. So like there was this sign that there was a problem in that the bank account had been frozen. And yet Cache still allowed this payroll ACH file to be uploaded like normal. And there's also this loan from Pioneer Bank. Right, like you know about that. What, what was this loan? Yeah, so Pioneer Bank, uh, coincidentally, is in the same business park as my payroll HR. They share a so parking lot. They share, yeah, share a parking lot. Okay. They're they're right there. So, and I mean, it makes sense, right? Everybody's small businesses are like this, right? You're like, hey, you see these guys every day. I'm going to take my business to that business because it's what I know. They're right there. You know, right. you know, they're, they're you know, almost coworkers in a sense of a word, right? You see these you people that are in the same office park, office building, right? Yep. And apparently, and then I don't know how much they, they worked with my payroll HR. They may have just been my payroll HR's bank, but not my payroll HR's. They're not doing the, the actual payroll part of the processing, right? right? They're not, they're not part of that part of the equation, but apparently they, they gave a loan of $36 million to my payroll HR and provided 16 million of it already. And then they also report that there's some sort of, um, and this is in the article, quote unquote, deposit activity from the payroll company. So normally that- Right, because the, 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 employer, the employer money was diverted from the settlement account at Cache to Pioneer Bank. Correct. So I'm wondering, here's, here's my theory. Michael Mann got a loan from Pioneer Bank. Pioneer Bank advanced 16 million of it. The bank said that. They had to file this- uh, report with the SEC about the exposure, right? So Pioneer Bank gave him $16 million. Michael Mann withdraws that money. Pioneer Bank sees that huge withdrawal and freezes his accounts because that probably went against his loan agreement, I imagine. So he grabs the money, they freeze his accounts, and then he has the money from Cache, like diverts that into the Pioneer Bank accounts. And maybe that unfroze it. And then he was able to get the money out. Like, that's my theory. Yeah. And like, he's already out of the country, probably, if he got away with it. There was all this shady behavior going on, apparently, the day before. And yet, this still happened. FBI is investigating. Uh, They've tweeted out asking for information. If anyone knows about anything, they should email mypayrollhrvictims at fbi.gov. Provide your company contact information, number of employees, and the estimated financial impact to your business and the employees. And then this has, you know, made the national news. Like I said earlier, it's, it was on NBC Nightly News last night. It was on CBS this morning. This morning, uh, it made Fox News. And it's uh, it's fascinating because I think there's a lot of unknowns. The yeah. the actual money and who where's the money at is like the biggest question. Where's and Michael Mann? Right, <laughs> but the money feels like they could trace that. Like it feels like, okay, it moved from this bank to this bank to this bank. And so there's probably parts of the story that are not public yet. Yeah. Right. Um, where this guy is, you know, were there, were there co-conspirators involved? Yeah. Maybe somebody at the bank, right? At Pioneer Bank. Because I'm thinking that, that maybe he wired the money out of the country. And if that, if that happened, right, and there's no extradition treaty, there's no way to get the money back, right? Then he really did get away with it. What else is the end game? Was it fraud in the sense that he's trying to steal the money or was it just he was trying to keep the a business afloat until he could get this loan from Pioneer Bank, right? And it was just he was just trying to play the game to survive. That or is he compromised? Con- right? yeah, yeah. Was he planning this for a very, 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 very long time? Right? Was this a long yeah. play? He bought it six years ago and he had this long play 
um, well, to do but, this. So here's the thing, though, is like something that makes me question whether or not it was fraud or makes me think it was fraud was this email to the employees that you found. Yes, that was very strange. So here's the email that went out to the employees. The employees, apparently, most of them didn't know this was happening, uh, which would explain why on Thursday when uh, that woman called my payroll HR, the business owner, the executive director who you know was questioning it, like the employee said, oh, it's just a bug. We'll fix it. Here's the email that went out to the employees. I think this was on uh, like Thursday, same time when the clients found out, uh, but I'm not sure exactly. It says, hi, all. I am sorry to inform you that it is now official that my payroll HR will no longer be conducting business. I am lucky to have worked with you all and wish you the best. If you had a personal belongings at the office, you can meet Bob and I tomorrow morning between 8.30 and 9 to get those. In an effort to avoid any safety concerns or potential media attention, we gathered some personal belongings from a few people's desks. We will be in the Price Chopper parking lot over closer to the liquor store. We will have the key fobs disabled so that you do not need to travel in to get those to us. We recommend that you log into the website to get your last two pay stubs. You can certainly print them all if you would like. We do not know how long we will have access to that information. Uh, And then there's like information about health insurance and they say they don't even know if it's been terminated or, uh, you know, here, you look for, look it, it up. It was like this email was from their HR person because, because they cover uh, unemployment, they cover uh, Cobra yeah. health insurance type stuff. They cover about their 401k plan. So somebody obviously cared about the employees. So like they said, like they were a legit company. That's what's even crazier about this. It wasn't. Uh, it's just a nuts. So uh, yeah, that's, that's the story as well as we can, hopefully that made sense. Uh, that timeline is is the best that I can reconstruct it, and uh, we'll certainly be talking about this. I think in the weeks to come. Well, there's a bunch of side action too on this. Oh yeah. So there's um a all these other payroll companies. They're all of them have been out there on social media, on Facebook, on uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I think, was the worst. I feel like every ADP sales rep had the exact same message. Like, let's have it affected by the. My payroll HR, give us a call, right? Like, so they're just capitalizing this from a marketing perspective. And it's so bad that one company even stole, they flat out stole somebody else's uh, content. So, do you know Shannon Thesis? Online, yes. She's a bookkeeper accountant in our industry. Mm-hmm. She yeah. on Facebook put out a post about what people should do if they were affected by this, like a valuable content post. And another company, a payroll company called American Time and Labor stole her content and put it out as their own in a press release. And a bunch of comp- a bunch of places all picked up the press release because that was in Business Wire. So I kind of find it ironic that a payroll company used fraudulent marketing te- techniques to capitalize on the fraudulent behavior of another payroll company. Not the right way to do PR, not the ethical response, and how crazy shady. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by BQE Core. If you have niche clients that are architects, engineers, consultants, or lawyers, BQE Core is the app for them to best manage the firm, increase their staff productivity, and ultimately increase their profits. Even if you don't have those niche clients, Core is a great tool to use in your own accounting or bookkeeping firm as well. Core is an easy-to-use, all-in-one platform for project management, but includes advanced functionality like budgets, labor costs, forecasting, contract analysis, and approval processes. Core also includes a standalone accounting module. Even though Core is an all-in-one platform, it still works nicely with other apps, offering you and your clients the maximum amount of flexibility. Core offers a full-function mobile app and recently launched a cutting-edge voice-based assistant for your smart speaker of choice. 
learn even more about BQE Core, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash core. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash C-O-R-E. So here's my takeaway from this. Apparently, payroll services like this are not regulated. And, and so that could change based on this. And there have been other payroll fraud stories. Earlier this year, KeyBank filed a lawsuit against a payroll processing company in Indiana for apparently a $122 million overdraft. I can't name them off the top of my head, but I have heard of other smaller payroll service frauds issues, you know. And somebody sent uh, sent me a, a link to an article in Australia. Apparently, the uh, the son of the head of Australian tax office, which is like the IRS, he yeah, did some committed some huge hundred fifty million pay, dollar payroll fraud. Oh wow! And with lavish gifts and, and mistresses and the whole nine yards. It was, uh, and it's almost easier to do a payroll fraud than to do like a bill pay or a bookkeeping fraud because the reports are so complex. Most business owners never read them. And even if you're in a CPA firm, you're doing payroll like manually. How many partners actually go and like look at the detail of these payroll reports before they sign them? You know, we talked at the uh, Accountex conference uh, with Don Brolin, who's a fraud expert, and that interview will be coming out soon. And she mentioned payroll as being one of the top threats that payroll fraud is like super common. Um, not necessarily a service itself, but like people manipulating the payrolls. Uh, to pay themselves extra or more, or create fake employees, like all that stuff. It's something you got to really keep your eye on if you're a business owner or if you're a CPA who has anything to do with payroll for your clients. A couple of takeaways here. One is the import files. And this goes back to like everybody like, oh, I'm just going to take some file, a CSV file, right? Or the old IF files for QuickBooks back in the day and import those in. No. Fundamentally, there is no error checking on those. And so you're just risking your data. You're risking data corruption, or in this case, data fraud. And so this is why APIs are, are much more secure. I'm surprised. And it just goes back to the ACH system itself. It's, so, it's fundamentally what, 1971 was created? Yeah. 72. It's, it's essentially, ACH is people uploading a bunch of text files with account numbers and routing numbers. Like that is an amount and maybe a description line, right? Like that is how basic it is. And so that's why, that's why it's actually really easy to manipulate a payment instruction file. Apparently what happened here is like, you can literally just open it up on Excel, modify it, save it, and then upload it and just change all the numbers, which if, you know, if you had like some sort of online system, you could have controls in place to prevent that from happening or uh, you'd have uh, alerts. Yeah. The whole, the whole industry just needs to catch up. And I think we might, we might see some regulation you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if one of the presidential candidates had a statement come out this next week. Oh, this is right up Elizabeth Warren's. Like, <laughs> absolutely. She'll, Elizabeth Warren's going to make the podcast again. Oh, man. Uh, it's right out of there. Another, uh, there's a startup company that um, it's called Daily Pay. So it's, again, mm -hmm. one of those companies where every you get paid every day. They, they look at your time records and they, we talked about these last week, these kind of, they're not really payroll advance or payday loans, but they're just paying you instantly, right? For your right. day's work. Yeah. It's basically a, a pay, payday loan. It's just under a different, like, it's another way of doing it. Yeah. But they don't charge, a lot of them aren't charging the employees because they're, what they're doing is they're charging the companies because the companies are providing this as a service or benefit to their employees, right? So anyways, that this company, Daily Pay, they actually set up a relief fund of $25,000 for, to cover any of the overdraft or late fees that employees may have suffered See, because of this. That is the way that you 
build goodwill. You don't capitalize on the pain of people by advertising to them. Like actually help them out. That's great. Except for, and, and I have mixed feelings on this because I, I clicked the link to go to it and you can't actually fill out the form there. You got to send an email. Uh, so they're going to gather the email of every employee that's been affected by this and now they can market their service to these employees. Like I, I question it a little bit. Like, like I think the intentions are good, but like there should just be a form. Let people fill out, submit receipts, you know, and work on getting a refund. But it's like, it, it's like immediately send us your email address. That That's the big story. I mean, we've almost taken up our entire time here today. Is there anything else we want to talk about? So yeah, I think we've kind of beat that story. I imagine we'll have more information next week because I think you're going to start seeing the money trail and he's going to have to be most wanted. I mean, people have got to be looking for this guy at this point. There's too much money. Yeah. Uh, there's $35 million just gone. Want to jump into regular news? Yeah. So David, what else, what else is new? QuickBooks Live has their September update out. Putting it, They've been really proactively communicating all the changes they're doing. They're now running some new tests on their website, which they're going to test some tiered pricing points based on your annual expenses. I was wondering when this would happen, given that up till now, it's been a straight $400 a month, no matter what kind of business you are, no matter how big or small you are. Like That just didn't seem sustainable to me. Yeah. So, so this is kind of that next tier of the... Um, or the on their journey of trying to figure out how this is going to be priced. Other than that, I didn't really see any other n- updates related to this. It's just really their their this new tier pricing. So let's look at the pricing. I'm, I just opened up the page. Uh, thank you okay. for the link. So tier one is two hundred a month, and that is for zero to twenty five thousand in ex- annual expenses. Tier two, four hundred a month. That is for twenty five thousand to one hundred and fifty thousand in annual expenses, not revenue expenses, which I think is important because a lot of businesses are pre-revenue when they sign up. And tier three is six hundred dollars a month, and that is for one hundred and fifty thousand plus, which uh, that leaves a lot of room, you know, given that the potential market for QuickBooks Live is right up to it could be up to like ten million dollars a year in revenue. Or at least a million, and from one hundred and fifty thousand to a million is a lot of a range. So, yeah, and so maybe they have more. But but in the grand scheme of the bell curve of QuickBooks users, most yeah. are probably going to fall into tier one, tier two. This uh, is so funny though, because it's like watching into it build a bookkeeping service and go through all the same like mistakes that I did, <laughs> and I've seen other people go through. Like they're doing the same thing. It's like first you start out with just one price. Uh, and then you feel, oh, realize, oh, okay, some clients are much more complex. Let's let's create tiers, and you know we'll see we'll see a lot more sophistication as the months go on. Yeah. Well, what I actually like about the them basing it off the expenses versus like number of transactions, because you might have you know oh, yeah a number lot of transactions. small transactions that are the same, but are, they're low, and yeah. it's just it, it's just me as me being a small business owner now, like I feel much more comfortable with a model like this. Yeah. Then because oh, I feel like okay. It's tied to my realistic expectations of what I can afford and I can pay versus mm-hmm. just a random number of pieces of paper or, or something that I have to scan in. I agree with you. Hey, I got something uh, app related. Here's an article that popped up on Inc.com, the 10 coolest offices of 2019. Right there on the list is Gusto in San Francisco. I don't know when it was, year last year, a couple of years ago, it was recent. They bought a warehouse on Pier 70 in San Francisco and turned that into the Gusto headquarters. It's like super cool. You got to look at the pictures. It is like this three, four, five story warehouse. And they left the original crane that moves horizontally through the warehouse in the, in the space. I'm not sure I'd want to sit under the crane, but uh, yeah, that stuff's safe. Yeah, uh, you know, hopefully in an earthquake that thing won't come down. 
but it looks pretty cool. If you're in San Francisco and you're a Gusto partner, definitely go check it out and say hi to Will Lopez. Um, some follow-up. Uh, so I, I'll, we'll put a link in the show notes, but if you're interested in the, learning more about the, the Clio story and their $250 million raise, um, the CEO was interviewed on a podcast called Law Next. And it's a, it really goes a little bit deeper than some of their blog posts. And it's a good conversation he had with um, Bob and uh, Bruji on that. Yeah, side. yeah. So we'll that, that, that was something we notes. talked about last episode. So if you missed that, check out episode 111, all, all the details about the Clio giant fundraise of $250 million. I think I mentioned it briefly, but it looks like uh, Visor Tax. So way back when we did episode 70, we talked about Visor Tax. So Visor mm-hmm. Tax was a tax service that was promising, hey, for $99, we'll do your taxes. And uh, you get 24-7 access to a CPA. It turns out like CPAs weren't doing the taxes. It turns out worse than that, taxes weren't even being filed. It was kind of a, a big nightmare last April for tax deadlines. Yeah. But then I saw recent tweets. People are complaining that they're discovering their 2017 taxes were never filed. So is like Visor still in business? Are there still people working there? Uh, like That's not clear. They haven't updated their website in a while. Like They still have that. We're... Because of the tax deadline, you know, we're overburdened right now or whatever. But they, but they haven't changed. The website hasn't changed in months. I have a but, feeling they're done. If like they're still, if they still haven't filed people's taxes, so, you know, there's a lot of liability there now. Yeah, maybe a class action lawsuit can, coming. I don't know how so, they can push through that. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's not not good for them. So I have uh, an update uh, on California matters, which could end up impacting all of us. Oh, I was hoping you'd bring this. This is a. Uh, it's the AB5. It's the bill that would reclassify a bunch of gig economy workers into part-time or full-time employees. And this would affect Lyft and Uber. And it was specifically targeting them, but it will end up impacting a lot of, of businesses. And calmatters.org has a great article talking about who is in and who's out of AB5. Because like any legislation, there are businesses that have lobbied to be excluded from this new treatment. So my my gut instinct would be, it's like, where do accountants fit in? Where do bookkeepers fit in? Where do... So there's a good infographic in the article uh, listing out the jobs impacted by AB5. Here are the groups of people that would likely be forced to reclassify into employees um, due to the new stricter standards for freelancers. Rideshare and delivery services such as Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, Postmates, truck drivers, janitors and housekeepers, health aides, newspaper carriers, unlicensed manicurists, the licensed manicurists get a two-year exemption, land surveyors, landscape architects, geologists, campaign workers, language interpreters, strippers, and rabbis are all going to have to now be employees rather than contractors. I don't know why rabbis (laughs) specifically... And the groups that will be uh, exempted include, so these are the people who aren't going to be impacted and will continue to be able to be contractors, doctors, some licensed professionals, such as lawyers, architects, and engineers, financial services, which includes accountants and investment advisors, real estate agents, direct sales, provided the salesperson's compensation is based on actual sales rather than wholesale purchases or referrals, commercial fishermen until 2023, builders and contractors, professional services such as marketers, HR administrators, travel agents, graphic designers, grant writers, fine artists, freelance writers and photographers, provided that the worker contributes no more than 35 submissions to an outlet in a year, hairstylists and barbers, uh, as long as they set their own rates and schedule, estheticians, 
electrologists and manicurists. I have no idea what an electrologist even is. They have to be licensed, though, to qualify as exempt. Tutors, provided they teach their own curriculum, does not apply to public school tutors. And lastly, AAA-affiliated tow truck, tow truck drivers are exempt. Whew, quite a list. And the two companies that are fighting this the most is Uber and Lyft, and they have huge pocketbooks and huge legal teams. So it'll be interesting to see where, uh, for the next coming election, where this all lands in California. Like you said, Lyft and Uber are likely to be the most impacted, although the trucking industry, that's a big deal. And um, that's really going to change things for truckers. Lyft and Uber have vowed to fight this at the ballot box. So in California, we have a direct initiative system where anyone, if they get enough signatures, can put a measure on the ballot to be voted on like direct democracy, right? So the voters of California will likely get to vote themselves um, at the next election as to whether or not this bill should be struck down. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how many people like care about Uber and Lyft, you know, and the workers. I, I, I'm really curious to know how many actual drivers want to be contractors versus employees. Like, has anyone asked the drivers what they think? The big impact is going to be higher costs, right? If this goes through, then Lyft and Uber are going to have to charge more for rides because they're going to be having to pay into all these uh, benefits, you know, for part-time employees. You know, I'm torn on this. Um, I see the the point of like some people, this is their full-time job and they're not getting social security and Medicare. They're not getting unemployment, all these protections for workers. But then for a lot of people, Lyft and Uber, it's a part-time thing. It's what they do uh, extra. And so like- Side hustle. Yeah. And, and you're just making it harder now for Lyft and Uber to have those people come on the platform and come off of it. And they'll probably use fewer of those side hustle people and probably more like closer to full-time people because it's just always cheaper to have fewer employees because you just have less to worry about. Well, at some level, this is the innovation life cycle, right? Like somebody creates something innovative, um, then it starts getting regulated, and then it becomes so stodgy. Then Lyft and Uber themselves will want- regulations because it keeps competition out of the market, right? It's just the cycle goes on and it has gone on for history. And eventually some new startups will disrupt this whole game. And let's not forget, this could really impact cloud accounting firms because a lot of firms employ contractors. And I did this with cloud sourced accounting. I employed a lot of contract bookkeepers to work part-time in my practice, especially if they were out of state. Right. Like, and I didn't want to deal with employment. Um, now we eventually switched them all to, uh, employee status because we didn't want to deal with the risk of, you know, having them reclassified or something like that at some later date. But I think there's a lot of firms that are using contractors, especially during busy season. And in California, anyway, the new rule is that if it's core to your business, if it's a core service, in an accounting firm doing taxes, for instance, it's a core service, then like you won't be able to pay those people as contractors necessarily. Although the exemption is for accountants. So I guess bookkeeping, I, I, I don't know what the definition is. Like you'd have to actually dig into the law and see if, if that specific person is exempt or not. Anything else we want to talk about? So uh, we could talk about influencers. Oh, like Instagram influencers? Instagram influencers, LinkedIn inf influencers, you know, um, quote unquote, QuickBook stars, right? There's a lot of different people in this space that are mm -hmm. influencers. I arguably, like we're in that space, right? Do you consider yourself an influencer, David? I don't know. I jokingly, because of would, these, would, <laughs> there's been a lot of discussions happening. All right, I'm not answering the question, right? Okay. Uh, would, so, you, would you ever put influencer on your LinkedIn, uh, like subtitle? I no, don't I did. 
better than that because there's a bit there's been a lot of uh, arguing going on mm-hmm. on LinkedIn about influencer list and this list and this list. I actually just changed my last name to David Thoughtleary. So I'm not an influencer. I, I'm a thought leader. That's the uh, that's the other set of people. Madeline Reeves wrote a blog post on her blog Fear, Fear, Fearless in Training, and her argument is. Because of social media, people could decide to become an influencer or a thought leader and then exploit social media to become that versus, you know, in the olden days, like you'd have to put in work for 10 years and then you, you just, you didn't go out, you didn't set out to be a thought leader or to set out to be a um, influencer, but it just happened, right? And what's happened now is this whole influencer economy is just, and you probably get emails and you probably get LinkedIn connections and they have it right in their hash their their uh, title i'm an influencer yeah. i'm a thought leader and so so she has a good blog post on it and there's been and i'll we'll get the links in the show notes there's two or three um threads on linkedin because some people have made lists of the top linkedin influencers in the accounting industry and then there's this other like four quadrant chart ranking other people and then obviously uh, avalara puts out like that top social media people on twitter yeah. so there's these lists that are out there and i think they're all what they are you know my competitive side's like i want to be number 1 like i get it <laughs> right i have an ego i want to be number yeah. 1 in these lists but at the same time like they're really just a way for people to just get attention to all the other people and yeah. get free exposure, right? Uh, I mean, simple as Avalara. Avalara makes that list of those 100 people because every week, guess what happens? Those 100 people talk about the Avalara on the list. And it's the same reason, you know, um, same reason like some of these companies will do like, hey, come vote on these things. Vote for the top bookkeeper. Vote for the top accounting firm. And then it's just so you, it, whatever property is doing that voting, you're you're making your readers or your the people on the list drive traffic to your site to go vote for them, right? And so it, it's it's all about eyeballs and all in that. But people are very very argument argumentative about this, and people are accusing each other of collusion to fake the numbers. Like it's a little on the crazy side the last two weeks. The funny thing is, I, I I imagine that most of the people looking at this stuff are it's just a bunch of influencers all you know influencing each other. It's just an echo chamber. It's belly button. Yeah, thing. and it is. And yes, you know, here are my thoughts on this. It's like, first of all, don't call yourself an influencer or a thought leader. That's something that other people should be calling you, right? It's it's like so it's I have to change my LinkedIn name now. Well, I like yours because it's funny, right? But whenever I see somebody who has thought leader in there or in their LinkedIn profile, like up front there, I, I just uh, I don't know. I mean, I understand self promotion. You got to do it. And sometimes you just got to call yourself something for other people to start doing it too. But I don't know. I, I don't like that. And I see the, the problem with it, like a lot of these folks, right? Or some of these folks is, um, you know, it doesn't seem like there's people out there talking about how to build a firm, how to sell a firm, how to be great at sales, how to make your marketing amazing. And they've never done it themselves. You know, like that's, that's problematic. <laughs> but I think people see through that, right? I hope they would. I think the, the the other big problem with these lists is like it just incentivizes bad behavior. So like the Avalara list, that was that's cool. It's fun to be on that list. But then I think, well, the way this list is generated is based on like how many people are liking the stuff that you post on Twitter or how many people are retweeting it. So then if you really want to just game the system, you just got to like create a bunch of controversy and say a bunch of nothing and just get retweeted, right? It is not about actually saying anything meaningful. Um, and so like you can game those systems, right? Same thing as a list that's based on like how many LinkedIn followers you're getting, right? Well, I could just like pay somebody to go and connect with everybody on LinkedIn. So anyway, I just, it's just all, it's just silly. And I bet like nobody even cares. 
anyway, outside of the people who are on the list. Oh, absolutely. In the grand scheme, we talk about all this time. In the grand scheme of everything, like we don't exist. <laughs> the people on that list don't exist. Like, we, like we're just like, nobody we knows don't exist. You know, Everybody, everybody's very upset about this. So, um, David, you know, we need more followers so that we can advance to the <laughs> top of these we're lists. We're going right into this. <laughs> so, if you want... <laughs> If you want to help me conquer the influencer uh, uh, heap of of just like crap, connect with me on LinkedIn. Send me a message uh, with your invite, please. And let me know that you're a listener. And I would love to connect with you and learn more about what you're up to. I'm also on Twitter at Blake T. Oliver. How about you, David? Oh, I'm at David Leary on Twitter. But apparently my focus right now is LinkedIn. Like I have to get more LinkedIn followers to move up on these other lists. So go to LinkedIn <laughs> and, and follow me and like yes. my stuff on LinkedIn because that, that's... Uh, my ego needs that. And um, as always, you can find the Cloud Accounting Podcast on all the socials. Just search for Cloud Accounting Podcast and you can stay on top of all the news articles and things that we post out during the week. Yep. Um, and then what else? What else? What else? Head to my website at blakeoliver.com and click the blue subscribe banner at the top uh, to get on my email list. And I will email you the show notes and notify you when new episodes are up. And don't forget to uh, head over to your favorite iTunes podcast player and leave a review oh we got some reviews we have to read david oh yeah let's read those and then um we'll give the other location for podchaser here's the first one this is from healy hoops five stars go to podcast for tech forward accountants blake and david are the leaders in accounting tech news gossip and thought leadership oh no (laughs) leadership (laughs) all accounting leaders should pay attention to these guys to know what accounting technology is coming around the curve well thank you healy you said it not me we officially now we can put that on our LinkedIn profile. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, here's one. This is a Cloud Accounting Pro five stars. This one's actually on Podchaser. This is from Cloud Counting Pro. Oh, Cloud Counting. See, I have to get thicker glasses, Blake. Okay, Cloud Counting Pro. Blake and Davis, so hopefully it's just a typo, <laughs> hash it out on each episode with an in-depth look at the news and technology in the accounting industry. Each brings a unique perspective that comes together to form the best accounting podcast around. Blake's smooth voice doesn't hurt. Oh, I thank you. Bringing their episodes to your ears and your brain will thank you. Awesome. Uh, last one from Jazz Fun. The speed of technology has nothing on David and Blake. They truly are ahead of the curve, and it is entertaining and fun to listen to each podcast talking about truly relevant information that affects our day-to-day lives. The Cloud Accounting Podcast is a requirement if you are in the accounting industry. And I think that's uh, that's Jan. So thank you, thank you, Jan, so much for that. And review. thanks for all your support. Like we are now the number one business news podcast on Podchaser because of all your great reviews. So so thank you, thank you, thank you so much. All right, that's it for me, David. All right, that's a wrap. Bye. Bye.